Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that is maintaining interest rates with interesting content. We hope. I'm James. I'm Dan. This week, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We'll talk about real news. And our main review is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which already feels like a very old film. It does, doesn't it? The passage of time has passed. And yeah, it feels like it's been eight weeks, but hey-ho, we're still current, I think, just about. Yes, we're still current. What's current with you? What's going on? Well, did you spot the Black Friday Sky Sale? No, I didn't. No, well, don't know why you would. Anyway, I currently pay quite a lot for my broadband and quite a lot for my Netflix. They were offering Sky TV plus a 65-inch Sky Glass for the same price. So I obviously, like a sucker, signed up. But what I didn't realise, because they were very, very sneaky, is that your broadband wasn't included with that. They make it out like as you go through the package builder, oh, have you got internet? Put your address in. Thanks for that. Do you want to carry on with your internet? Yes. Doesn't say, oh, and that's separate, by the way. So it got to the end. I was like, this is the deal of a lifetime. No, it's not. I've still got to pay an extra £30 for my broadband. So I thought, F you, Sky, I'm going with 3 5G mobile broadband, which was a tragic mistake um, because that was like £10 a month. So it still worked out pretty well. Cut a long story short, get the router. The router, as soon as I plugged it in, tripped my electrics and blew up the new router. So I was like, great. So I had to get a new one. Finally arrived and they said to me, keep your SIM. Cut all this out, by the way. I just really need to vent. It's just so it's fine. (laughs) It's too long. (laughs) Keep your SIM card safe. So I did. The router comes, the new one, ready to plug it in. I go to my trusty shelf where I store important things, where I put said SIM card. It was missing. Turned out after two and a half hours that it was hidden under a layer of tobacco in the same shelf, but it took me two and a half hours to find it. Plugged it in, and it turns out that, you know, um, like when you get the SIMs and it's like you, you get the different sizes, I'd popped it out to be a nano SIM and then thrown the outer layer into the bin, find out that it's actually a micro SIM. So I then had to root through the bin for another two hours, plugged it in, set it up. It's terrible. It's terrible. Couldn't even stream anything in standard definition. So gone gone cap in hand, back to Sky now, and just said, I've had a terrible journey. Please, can you do it with £10 a month? And they have done. So quid's in. You've got £20 off. Yeah, £23.50, actually. So yeah, did all right there. That's good. I'm sorry about that, but it's a really, really painful experience. I've spoke to Sky more than my partner this week. So just by asking for £20 off, you just went, yep. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Sorry, that was really boring. Yeah, should we just go straight into what we've been watching? Yeah, 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 right. So I've got Disenchanted, the new film on Disney+. Plus. Now, do you remember when we watched Enchanted in 2007 in the cinema and we were surrounded by young girls and we walked out saying we look like pedophiles this is really bad yeah i think people were commenting in the cinema that we look like pedophiles yeah but love enchanted i've always got a place in my heart for amy adams after watching that film it's just it's brilliant and this film is a huge disappointment 
compared to the first film, unfortunately. Huge disappointment. And when I saw that it existed, I thought, oh, Amy Adams is doing an Enchanted sequel. Maybe this this must be good if she's doing it. But then I read a review that said she's not had a hit film with her as the lead since Arrival. Like, apparently she's in a career slump. Oh, right. Makes sense, because I don't know what, what she's been in. Woman in the Window wasn't any good. Anyway... So maybe she's she's crawling back to the disenchanted to do this. Anyway, it's no good. It's released on Disney Plus and not in cinemas. Bad sign. You can see why. But what happens? Well, Gisele, Amy Adams, seems like she's not learned anything in the previous 15 years about the modern world. I get that she's a fish out of water, but she's been out of water for 15 years. So it just comes across as stupid at this point that she can't communicate with her daughter. She doesn't understand how to behave in the outside world. There's this like prom queen, festival queen thing going on. So Gisele sets up some tables and a stand and sign saying, vote for my daughter. And it's all cringe and awful. But it's like, it's been 15 years. You must realize that how to behave at this point. This is just annoying. So the plot is Gisele wishes for a fairy tale life using a magic wand that appears. She, I, I wish this was a fairy tale. The rules are not clear. It's not clear if it's the whole world or just the town that she lives in, but everyone turns into like fairy tale characters. There's musicals, songs, songs, songs all the time, and you can predict what happens. It's it's not that simple. It's a bit more complicated than that. Is that really what she wants? Hmm. Well, you can guess what's going to happen, and you can also guess where the film is going to end because in the second scene or the third scene, someone says, oh, there's a town festival happening later on this week oh i wonder if that's where the finale of the film is going to be it feels more like an episode of an enchanted tv show than a film it's like a minor adventure in the life of, of jaisal i wasn't keen and there are too many songs the director is apparently a director of musicals so maybe that's why but the first film every song was memorable there are songs in the first film where she's explaining like her naive fairy tale values to people and it's funny but in this film, it's like, we're going down the stairs. Oh, let's sing about going down the stairs. It's, it's no good. So wouldn't recommend. Sorry. Uh, is it? I, I watched this film. It held a special place in my heart as well. But I don't remember. Is it Giselle? What, did, what was I saying? Giselle. Is that Gise the way it's not Giselle? I could be either. Right. <laughs> there you go. Um do you need to have watched the first one recently to not enjoy this one by the sense of it? They do an animated recap of the first film, probably because they know it's 15 years since the last film came out. So, Disenchanted, a film that describes its audience's feelings as well as titling the film. Yes. Anything half-decent that you've watched this week? Yes, The English which is a co-production between the BBC and Amazon Prime. It's available on the BBC iPlayer in the UK and I assume Prime Video in other territories. What's it about? It's got Emily Blunt in it and she's an executive producer. So it's an Emily Blunt showcase. She plays a well-to-do English woman who goes to America to find the father of her dead son, presumably just to say, oh, you're, you're, you're bad. You're a bad man. And she encounters a Native American man who saves her life, and they go on an adventure across the uh, the Great Plains of the Wild West. Emily Blunt is excellent. She's brilliant. Fantastic. 
very watchable. That just makes it good, just her being in it. I like the bleak 1890 setting. It's like Red Dead Redemption 2. It's very sparse. She arrives at a hotel, and the hotel is just a hotel in the middle of nowhere. It's not a town, it's just a hotel, and that's it. And the the empty setting, I like. There's an authenticity to it. I've only watched one episode, which is why I don't have a lot to say, but I want to watch the rest. It's good. Cool. Okay. I'll uh, actually put this on to uh, test the picture resolution of my new TV, but I only made two minutes into it, and I thought I should go to bed now. So watch a bit more and tell me it's worth it. But I'm interested. I'm definitely interested. Hold up. Didn't you get a 4K TV like last year? (laughs) Year and a half ago. Right. Yeah. What's happened to that? That's in the living room. This one's in the dining room. And I've been moaning for ages that I wanted a projector. The compromise was, oh, look, it works out cheaper to get a massive TV, an obscene TV. My missus hates it. She's like, it's disgusting. It's disgustingly big. And right. it blocks the entire window. But your dining room is right next to the old living room, isn't it? So you've, just, you've got two TV, two massive yeah. TVs very close. Sorry, I'm not. Sorry. No, you're right. This is. I just feel like I'm listening to my partner again. Just say you're an idiot. Why have we done this? <laughs> right. Okay, okay. Because I've been using the same TV for eight years. Yeah, practical. nine years. Nine years. You're a practical man. I'm an absolute buffoon. Yeah, and today I bought a new coat. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> today I bought a new coat. This is my anecdote. Go. Four hundred and fifty pound. What? Right. Price, right? Price tag. This is in North Face. 25% off if you spend over £175. Brilliant. That's like, that takes down to 330 338 Is it a Swiss Army coat? Why, why is it so scan, much she scans, she scans it in. It scans in as 382 I was like, oh, that's not, that's less than 25% off. She does something on the computer, takes it down to £286. That's down from four fifty, and I've got some money from parents. So yeah. I've only really, only, only, only really out. Taught the outgoing cost for me was two hundred and thirty pounds for a four hundred and fifty pound coat. And my point is, I've bought that to replace a winter coat that I've used for over ten years. Mm, and so given I'm that buying, argument, yeah. So I'm. This is this is my new ten year coat. So it works out at twenty eight pound a year. And when you put it like that, fine. But that is. That is a ridiculous amount of money for a coat. That I've never spent that much money on a coat in my life. Right. Okay. Probably because I'm too busy buying TVs. Yeah, you're buying two forty-inch TVs. <laughs> oh, that's oh, can't get over that. Anyway, never mind. The English. Yeah, it's that good. Was what I was talking about. It's good on Amazon Prime or BBC, depending where you are. Daniel, what have you been watching? I've been watching the new Amazon Prime series, Mammals, with James Corden. James Corden. Yeah. James after after Corden. the year he's had. Yeah. So obviously you're familiar. Him. You are? You're supporting him. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it like that. I'd say I was lacking something to watch. Okay. And watched it out of morbid curiosity. So yeah, if you don't know, James Corden probably has been more or less universally hated for the best part of 10 years. And he's been in the news recently because I think everybody knew this in the UK. But the man's an arse. And he was recently banned from a restaurant for being horrific to staff. And did you hear about the bit where his writers, his staff writers, stitched him up 
on his late show by yeah. writing Ricky Gervais jokes word for word. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's not had a fine time, but I saw this and I thought, oh, I'm interested. I think the guy who wrote it, Jez Butterworth, wrote Edge of Tomorrow, which I really like. This is far from that series. But anyway, I've never watched Kevin and Stacey. I don't think I've actually seen very many James Corden things. So I'm not I'm not a hater, but I, I admit the fact that he probably is an arsehole because that's what everyone says. Anyway, the appeal of this was six episodes around 30 minutes of pop. So really easy to get through and a, a very good candidate for reviewing on this podcast. Story-wise, it follows James Corden, who plays an aspiring chef, and he's about to open his new restaurant. But unfortunately, his life completely falls apart after he learns that his wife has cheated on him. And his wife, by the way, she is extremely beautiful. And it seems like this isn't this would not happen. She would not be with James Corden. But the rest of the series is him uncovering the extent of his wife's infidelity and struggling to cope with, with the stress of the situation that he finds himself in. You know, he's having all that pressure at home, but he's also having the added pressure of getting ready for opening this restaurant on opening night. There are some very interesting side plots in this. He's got a sister who is in a bit of a loveless relationship and she finds very weird and wonderful ways of just disappearing off into fantasy land and exploring her desires, which was entertaining. It's a bit of a dark comedy because it is funny, but it is dealing with some pretty dramatic and sometimes depressing themes. And I am going to I'm gonna put it out there, and I'm not saying this to piss off James Corden haters. He's really, really good in this. Like, really, really good. I, I've seen that IMDb, it like has a terrible score. I think it's had some scathing reviews as well online, as well as some very positive ones. I think it is because people hate James Corden, because he is very, very good in this. I, there's no denying it. There's lots of layers to his character. The way that he is able to elicit emotion like even my partner who is not a huge fan she was like god i really bought him in that scene like he looked like he'd been crying for days like he's just very very committed and i thought it was a very captivating and believable portrayal of this guy who's going through something quite horrific so a lot of naysayers on this but i wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is i really really enjoyed it but it does have a very shit the bed ending which if you have your sort of philosophical head on, you can say, oh, I'm reading this in this way, but it's very out there and kind of calls into question everything that you've seen before because it is so Jump the Shark. But ambiguous as it is, I still really enjoyed this show, much to my surprise. Very good. So that's Mammals on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Daniel, what else have you been watching? I think we made mention of it last week, but The White Lotus Season 2. We both very much enjoyed White Lotus season one and casting my mind back. I think a big part of that show's appeal at the time was the escapism that it offered during lockdown. You know, you transport it to a very beautiful location halfway across the world, which was a welcome change of scenery from the four walls that we were used to. But we're out of all that now. COVID's not even real anymore. So is this going to actually land this is a bit more of the same where it's examining class structures and the rich dick elite and all their entitlement. It's more of the same in that respect. What we had in the first season was you get to see the hotel staff who are like pandering to the guests' unreasonable demands. 
and seeing a bit of a backstage slice of life when it comes to those uh, hotel staff members. You're not getting that this time round, really. So this time round, and it is an anthology series, so different story, different characters, but we're off the coast of Sicily this time. I say different actors. Jennifer Coolidge reprises her role, but that is it. That's her and the hotel chain name is the only connective tissue between the two seasons. Aubrey Plaza is in this. Will Sharp, who you might know as the writer-director of Channel 4's Flowers. He was also in Giri Hadji. Very talented guy, either acting or writing-wise. Uh, F. Mary Abraham and a few others that I don't know from anything else, so I didn't see the point in bringing them up. It's good. It's not yet reached the heights of the previous season. It is exploring those similar themes, but it is, once again, even though we're not in lockdown, it is a very nice form of just let me be somewhere different that's just, you know, all this beautiful picturesque landscape behind me. It was just nice to see that. And there's some very perfectly selected shots of Sicily, which make you feel like where you live is an absolute abhorrent hole. Um so, yeah, that's slightly depressing, I suppose. Um, the cast of characters, they're not easy to love at first glance, but I think similar to the first season, there are a few in there that you actually do warm to and you think, actually, there's more to you under the hood than, you know, you would first believe. The big change here, I said, like, it doesn't concentrate on the hotel staff. Instead, there's two sex workers who try and get business off this hotel by constantly coming in and trying to pick up men you're more centering on their lives and that's the juxtaposition of, of you know, the rich people against the, the the poorer sex workers. So that that was nice, nice little change. So it's not a complete duplicate of the last season. And I really like the couple played by Aubrey Plaza and Will Sharp. I think there's some very interesting stuff going on with them and it has some confronting things to say about relationships. It's very entertaining. I will watch it to the end. I'm very happy with what I've seen so far. Good. I do need to watch this as well because White Lotus was excellent. Anything else? I didn't prepare it, but I just want to point people in the direction of a, it's either French or Belgium, I apologise, or Belgian, should I say, a series called Black Butterflies on Netflix, which is about a writer who recently came out of prison. He had a best-selling book based on his, his life and his prison experiences. And some old dude decides to hire him to write his memoir and because he's approaching old age and he's near to death. It turns out this guy was actually part of a serial killer couple and we get transported back to the 70s and seeing his life with his partner when they went on a murderous rampage and there's secrets that are uncovered throughout. That's all I'll say. It's bloody brilliant. It's one of the best things that I've seen in ages. I've heard Nobody mentioned this. I've not even seen anything about it on the internet. I just thought, this looks good. I'll put it on. I was hooked. So Black Butterflies on Netflix. Great. Some foreign language content, which is always good. Mix it up. Shall we mix it up? Well, we're not going to mix it up. Do what we do every week. Should we go to real news? No? Yes, where there is talk of Netflix mixing up their episode order. Say what? It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. What are you talking about? What are you on about? What I'm on about, James, is a new 
series on Netflix that is due to hit soon, starring Far Cry's Giancarlo Esposito. I'm sure you know what I mean. He's a famous actor. Look him up. You will know him from things. From Breaking Bad. I've never seen Breaking Bad. Have I? There you go. That's what people will probably know him from, not Far Cry 6. <laughs> and Tati or Tati, I don't know, Gabrielle. Anyway, new Netflix series, but with a bit of a twist. It's called Kaleidoscope, and it turns out that Netflix are going to suggest that you can watch this in any episode order whatsoever. I don't think that's correct English. You can watch the episodes in any order, which is a wee bit crazy. I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm certainly intrigued. Are you? Yes, but it's not that shocking, because if you think of something like The Simpsons, you can watch that in any order, because they're all self-contained episodes. Yeah. Or is it just going to be self-contained episodes? that you can watch in any order? Is it just a fancy way of saying that? I think the aim of this series, though, is to tell one whole story within okay. it. I don't think they are seen as separate little individual, oh, just watch what you want. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm intrigued, but should have really read into it a bit more because I don't know if it is that or not. So is this a new story? Probably not. So when is this coming out? When is this coming out? This is landing on the... On January the 1st. Okay. And to give you a bit more insight, it's actually about a bank heist. So, yeah, it is all one story. I think it's that you will see it from different perspectives, and therefore that's why it doesn't matter so much what order you watch it in. But Netflix have described it as a puzzle of sorts. So Okay, right. A bit like Memento. Mm. Obviously, they're trying to go with the gimmick, I think, here. Right. Well, I've got some news. While you've got your internet browser open, open yeah. Google, open the, the search engine service page. Google, G-O-O-G-L-E. Dot com? Yep. On it. Right. Now, search for Terminator cast. Is there someone someone missing? Where's Arnold? Okay. Now search for twins cast. (laughs) It's an interesting little... What is going on? Now, just think of any Arnold Schwarzenegger film and just search for the film and the cast. Oh, what's that absolutely rotten one? Jingle all the way. No, the sixth day. Right, hang on a minute. For anyone who's obviously listening, which hopefully is everyone that is listening, whenever you do a Google search for a film and the cast, it will give you all the actors and a tiny picture in a row. Arnold Schwarzenegger is nowhere to be seen for any of these searches. What have you done? Have you broke the internet? Well, I found this on on Reddit. And in a conversation about that, they're linked to some like some sort of hacker forum. There's speculation about it. One is that possibly someone's hacked Google just to get rid of Alice Schwarzenegger. <laughs> another reason that I've forgotten, and another reason is that the second half of Arnold Schwarzenegger's name has an unfortunate similarity to another a certain word, and right. that maybe in the search filtering, something's just gone a bit wrong. And it's like it's censoring him from the internet by mistake. Right. Okay. But, but there's other other reasons, other strange reasons, technical reasons that this this hacker forum has has come up with. Probably not a hack, but this you know it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to use Google now and see that Arnold Schwarzenegger has not appeared in any of the films that he's in. <laughs> How very bizarre! This has like the beginnings of a screenplay written all over this. I've already got the name, Erasing Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. 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 In a film called Erasure as well. So that, that works. Yeah, that would, it would work. It would it works on a lot on a lot of levels, yeah. Oh, how interesting. I wonder if this applies to anyone else. 
Anyway, I'll try it after this. But thanks for that. I enjoyed that weird bit of uh, Google mystery. Thank you. Another actual news-related, but I'm just going to go a little bit conspiracy theory on it. There are two articles in The Hollywood Reporter about Disney content. Article number one, Marvel has found an answer to so-called fatigue, much like a single issue of a comic book, The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, and other one-offs, like the werewolf one, offer a solution for audiences not ready to spend six to nine weeks on a TV show. And the basic idea of this article is that Marvel's bringing out these special presentations, which I've just named, and... Because people are getting fatigued, they don't want to commit to full films, they don't want to watch the full series. This is like a quick fix of Marvel content, and it replicates the feeling of discovering a whole new world, buying one comic book, not having to catch up on anything. It's just a feeling of of capturing one thrilling experiences and making a lasting impression. That's the basic idea. Article number two, Andor revealed a path forward for Star Wars. As Lucasfilm looks to move beyond the Skywalker saga, season one of the series explored a hidden corner of the galaxy. And it describes how Andor just looks at the the darker, murkier side of the rebellion, the people that aren't the main characters, the main Star Wars story. How did the rebellion come about? There's difficult, difficult moral choices to be made when you're setting up a military rebellion, military organisation. And it's interesting to see this this other side, this less explored side. Okay, both valid points. But I just want to I just want to know why they've chosen to write both of these articles within two days of each other. They're basically saying these two Disney things, we, we, we know you're sick of Marvel, but you can get back into it by watching these one-off things, which are not which are not bad, that you won't have to spend six hours on. And with Star Wars, it's like we know that we've messed with the main storyline. The main storyline's dead, we've wrecked it. But there is a way to still enjoy it by watching this other irrelevant stuff about a minor character. Those are the two points that they seem to be making. Well, we can. We were actually going to do a conflicts of interest this week based on how you treated Andor, but I think you've just you've just laid out your feelings there on Andor by describing him as a insignificant character. So you you just don't care, and that's why you treated Andor the way that you did. So I yes. guess there's no need for the conflicts of interest now. No, well, no. I think we could still go into that. The conflicts of interest you were going to do is is how I how I could possibly watch episodes three, six, nine, and twelve of a TV series, and especially to a, a property that was so beloved for for many years. And the first whiff of a good one that came along, you thought, "Nah, nah, I am not going to treat you with respect. I'm that fed up. I am just going to whiz through you like a flicking through." an Empire magazine, casually, and then throwing it in the bin. Yes, yeah. I should respect new Disney content as the, as the high art that it is. Completely yeah. agree. Yeah. There we go. I'm, I'm glad you agree. You've fallen on your sword. Thanks for that. Okay. So that's that mystery solved. But with the Marvel stuff, is it not just adding to the fatigue? You're just putting even more stuff out, but, oh, this one's bite-sized. I'm fed up of it. Let it breathe. Give me a break. Don't just give me a shorter version. Just don't show it me for a year. Exactly. I can see how you get there. Like I read the article. I can see how you get to that point. But at the end of the day, you're just adding more content. So yeah. it's this concession that, yes, we know you don't want to watch six hours of Miss Marvel because it's bad or it's not aimed at you. And you're saying instead, oh, just watch this one hour of insignificant content that's part of the universe. I'm sick of it. Yeah. I to give the game away for the main review. But 
if you're going to put out something that is a one-off special that's pointless, I'm not going to watch it. To me, you'd have to be invested in the universe enough to go and watch what's basically bonus content as well. Yeah. Would you not even do it the disservice of skipping through it? Oh, no. All that being said, the Guardian's Christmas special is actually supposed to be pretty good, but doesn't change my feelings on the matter in general. Although I probably will watch that one because I do quite like Guardians. And that's the other thing. Don't try and pass it off as, oh, yeah, we're just making it a bit more accessible and we know we know there's fatigue. No, it's not. You know that there's a small chunk of people who love Guardians of the Galaxy and you thought, well, if we just add a 50-minute special to Disney+, Plus, we'll get about 100 more subscribers. That's why you're doing it. Yes. Yeah, I'm done. I'm off my soapbox. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. Shall we do the main review? Don't want it to be a dead giveaway, but if we must. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Promise it back. This is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync. Tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Black Panther. It's people. They don't call him General or King. They call him Kukul Khan, the Feather Serpent God. Killing him will risk eternal war. He's coming. The people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. Have I said that right? Yes. Thank you. James... Slightly distancing yourself from Marvel over the last year, I would say. But did this rope you back in? What did you think of Black Panther Wakanda forever? As you say, we've already declared comic book fatigue. So this had to be special to make me care about the Marvel CU again. It's not special. I'm sorry. It's way too long. It's too long. Many scenes go on for too long and there are unnecessary scenes. For example, Shuri and Okaye go to see Riri Williams at college and they have some comedy discussions outside about what they're wearing and the hair that goes on for too long. Then there's a scene in Riri's apartment that goes on for too long, which is more comedy. Then they visit Riri's secret garage, which covers the same ground about introducing Riri. And then there's an action scene. There's a lot like that where you think this could probably be condensed. Action scenes were perfunctory. They weren't entertaining for their own sake, and sometimes they had no impact. Like the final battle just happened, and then it was forgotten and forgiven. Spoilers. The comedy acting and the comedy was a bit cringe, but I'm going to say a positive. The serious acting was good. The performances are all good. They're all good actors in this film, especially Angela Bassett was the standout. She carries the film. Why not just have her be the Black Panther? Because she's in a different league from everyone else. She's putting so much into it. Mbaku is also good. He's the leader of the, the renegade tribe. He's the, the only other like, charismatic presence. Even though all the acting was good, he was actually enjoyable to watch. And he was the only thing that I liked about the first film, which I thought was very dour. But Mbaku wasn't in it enough, even though I liked him. The T'Challa funeral at the beginning, which also went on for very long, I've seen three takes on this. One, what they did is perfect. Number two, it should have been more subdued. Number three, they should have done a Carrie Fisher in Star Wars and had him... Absolutely not. ...had a deep fake Chadwick Boseman die heroically in the opening scene. 
I don't have a better idea. I'm not going to suggest what they would have done, but what they did do, I, I felt that it was it, it seemed it was vulgar to me to do a second funeral for a man that passed away two years ago. I felt uncomfortable. The scenes on the beach with Shuri and Ramonda, that was good. That was moving. Anyway, good to see real sets for Wakanda, not green screen. They've got some real sets there that they're walking around and it really gets flooded with real water. And uh, I liked all that. Namor, poor. He wasn't keen. The, he, he flies with little wings on his ankles. It looked ridiculous. But I want to say more in spoilers. Those are my thoughts on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Sorry. Bear in mind, I'm already Marvel fatigued, so that probably has an impact here. Daniel, what did you think of Wakanda Forever, Black Panther 2? I'm going to do what I always do when we do a Marvel film and say, hands up, I haven't seen X, Y, and Z. This time around, I haven't seen Black Panther, and that's not great. That was seen as quite a big cultural moment, bit of a departure for the MCU, doing something a bit, di- bit different. Cracking soundtrack, I've listened to that quite a lot. But that's my only familiarity with it, apart from general information around the story. So there you go. I've said it. Everything that goes on from this point onwards is, is you know, can be seen as unsubstantiated and irrelevant. So I wasn't really looking forward to this. I've well and truly, as you said, I'm off the Marvel wagon. I've been off it for a very long time. And each film seems to just further solidify that for me. I mean, Thor, Love and Thunder, what a mess. I hated that film, and I don't think you were a big fan either. <sighs> All that being said, it is admirable, this this like sort of tapestry that's been woven. It is, if you were bought into it and you still enjoy these films, it is impressive. So I do still watch these films with a bit of morbid curiosity. Like you said, I feel like this is a good starting point for me. My review is to say, yes, Chadwick Boseman has passed away, and you said you didn't know how you felt about it. Me personally, I thought it was just right I'm not saying perfect, but for me personally, it was just right. I don't know how you cannot acknowledge his death. And all right, it might seem a bit vulgar to acknowledge it through an actual death in the film with his character as well. But I just thought they could have been so heavy handed with that and dragged it out for far longer. And it just seemed a bit like the bit that I felt uncomfortable with was it's addressed and it, it lingers throughout the film because somebody will bring it up again, but not in a, in a very heavy way. But it is like, let's just get it out of the way. Done. Let's move on with the film. That's the only bit that I felt uncomfortable with. But I thought you acknowledged it. And I did really like the the bit with the Marvel logo when it came up and it was all images of Chadwick Boseman. And it was just silence. And you, you could feel in the room that there's, there's a bit of a weight there. I, I liked that stuff, but I understand that it's not going to be for everyone. I just think there's an alternative version of this film where Chadwick Boseman's death just hung over the entire thing and it's a really, really depressing affair. And I thought, hats off to you, you've not done that. Good job. The plot itself, I think the plot is very basic, but it masquerades as if it weren't by trying to introduce too many things at once. And you said scenes are too long. I don't understand Martin Freeman's role in the first film, but why is he here in the second one? Like, I don't... It adds nothing. It's just buffering out the length of the film. You, you're adding, just go away, Martin Freeman. I like you in things. Breeders is great. You were good in The Office and Sherlock, but please don't turn up here. No relevance. So I didn't get that. Basically, we kind of have this access to a material, which I think is from the first film, because I watched a Black Panther in four minutes video. Vibranium is this material. And there's a rival tribe of people who 
the society is constructed using this material. And the United Nations want access to it, and that shakes the peace with Wakanda and this other tribe. Fair enough. That's basic-ish. But like you said, then we get this MIT student who's responsible for d- developing the tech, and then they've got to seek them out and blah, blah, blah. It's just, I don't care. I The, the main story was fine. I don't need this subsequent bit on the end. Anyway, good things. As for someone who didn't watch Black Panther, I liked Wakanda and, and how it's envisaged in this film. I hadn't seen it in the previous one. It looks like an impressive place. I feel like it's a real lived-in world, but I don't think we see enough of it here. Don't know if that wasn't the case in the first one. I found some of the power dynamics and the politics of this mildly interesting. The underwater city stuff, which I won't go into too much detail because I suppose you could say it's a bit spoilerish. That all looked good. And it doesn't feel as bad as some of the Marvel films, but it does fall into that same trap of just turning into a CGI mess of a fight near the end on several occasions. I would call this serviceable. I wouldn't call it bad, but I'd definitely call it overlong, like you said. And the other thing that I'll add to it, I think it's a bit of an odd Marvel film because you spend 80% of the film with no hero, which I don't think I've seen before. And how they managed to make that at least mildly interesting is somewhat impressive. So yeah, not a complete bore, but I'm not looking forward to the next one. The next what? The next MCU? Marvel film. film. Yeah. It's Ant-Man 3. Oh, is it? Which, oh God, the trailer. Oh my God. The whole film's blue screen. Oh my god. They go into the micro universe and it's just a CG nightmare. Anyway, Black Panther 2. I think you're right. Serviceable, but too long. Riri Williams, I forgot to mention, played by Dominique Thorne. There was a lot of hype around the character because I don't know if you know, but they're going to do an Ironheart TV program. She's going to get her own Disney Plus series. So she's introduced, but it was like there's already enough characters going on in Wakanda. Like Romanda's a good character. And Backer's a good character. You've introduced Namor. And then you've got to do Riri Williams as well. And there wasn't enough time spent on her for me to really... She's fine, I suppose, but there wasn't enough time to really make me think, I've got to see her TV programme. And the way she was introduced, very similar to how Spider-Man's introduced in Civil War, where Tony Stark walks into Spider-Man's house and he's like, oh, yeah, you're Spider-Man. Come and join us. That's fine because with Spider-Man, we all know who Spider-Man is. We've seen the origin story twice in the past 20 years fine to skip through that i mean it's just like right spider-man we know who he is here it's like we don't want to know anything about this character so you Mm -hmm. can't introduce her an hour in and then sideline her because we don't really know who she is yet maybe that's the point it's like oh i'm going to watch six hours of ironheart now to find out what's really going on but the character is not developed is she meant to be a replacement for iron man because the suit's quite similar in the sense that, yes, they can make Iron Heart toys instead of Iron Man toys, but I think in terms of importance to the MCU, I don't think she's going to be one of the big names. No, that's very valid. Otherwise, we'd be getting a film, not a TV series, wouldn't we? Well, I believe the plan was, you know, the big three, it's Captain America, Iron Man and Thor. I think the plan was to have the new big three as Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel and Black Panther. And they were going to be the new Avengers leaders with, you know, depending on who's popular, who's trending, fill out the rest of the roster. But like no one likes Captain Marvel. Doctor, I suppose Doctor Strange is okay. And obviously Chadwick Boseman's unfortunately passed away. So I'm not really sure who who are the big players now. 
in the MCU that we're all going to rally around. I don't know. And with you saying you're unsure, that's kind of the lingering feeling that I feel like I've had with this last phase of Marvel. It feels very uncertain. There doesn't seem to be the sort of structure or clarity that came in previous phases. It's felt like a bit of a mess, really. Yes, it has. Quick question, though. Did you notice that the CGI was actually very, very reasonable for a good 75% of the film, and then the last quarter it just nosedived into terrible land? It just looked really shoddy all of a sudden. Yeah, that whole last action scene was shoddy. And there's an action scene where there's a lot of hand-to-hand combat going in in the background. And I saw someone was hit. There was no contact at all. There was a mile distance between the weapon and the face. And they still took the hit and it looked ridiculous. And I'm sure that if you watched it back, they're all like that. It's all just very sloppily, <laughs> sloppily done. Daniel, would you recommend Black Panther? Wakanda Forever. If you're on the Marvel gravy train and you bought in and you like all the other films, I'm sure you'll not dislike this one. But unfortunately, it was not for me. So for those people, yes. For anyone who's just like me, I'm not really that bothered anymore. No. James, what about you? I agree with everything you've just said, word for word. What I'd recommend instead is She Said, which is a film that you've not heard of, starring Carrie Mulligan, which is about two journalists uh, who begin the uh, investigation and exposing of Harvey Weinstein allegations. It's made no money at the box office. No one's watched it but it's probably worth watching that instead. Do they turn into superheroes at the end? No. uh... Nah, I'm not going to watch it. Let's go into spoilers. Bruce Willis. Real name is... Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. (laughs) Spoilers. Nemo decides, actually, I'm going to just genocide the whole world, including landlocked countries like Wakanda that I can flood. Okay. Atlantis and Wakanda have fight what's at stake to be honest i'm not really sure but um shuri has nemo at her mercy and she says let's work together you don't have to do any more genocide we'll both sort of be allies and everything's fine and he says oh, okay i'm under threat of death so okay i'll agree not to genocide anymore and they say we're kind of forever atlantis forever and that's it and everything just resets back to how it was so Wakanda's still doing its thing Atlantis is over underwater doing its thing. That's it. Oh, and uh, Ramonda, the queen, dies. But that's forgiven pretty quickly. Yep. Nice, nice summary there. I didn't, I didn't think the villain in this worked because I kind of saw where he was coming from quite a bit. I was like, yeah, I know why you're doing this. You're under threat. I would too. That makes sense. You're not a threat. I feel sorry for you, if anything. So that didn't work for me, angle-wise. The only quick key bit that you've just mentioned around Angela Bassett's character dying. I didn't put it in my main review, but you did it for us. She is brilliant in this. It is a shame that they killed her off in this one because I would have liked to see her as Black Panther as well. No signs of slowing down in this. My word, does she go for it? There's a very nice scene where she absolutely gives a general a good rollicking. I think it's a general. don't know. Demotes her. Really powerful scene. Great stuff. Yeah, it is. Angela Bassett is so good in this that I feel bad for not having watched more Angela Bassett films. And horrifically, I couldn't name you one right now. There's that one, that Ray Fiennes one from the 90s that you like. The sci-fi one. You can relive people's memories because the memories are recorded. 
Oh, God, yeah. Strange Days. Strange Days. Yeah, she's good in Strange Days. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Oh, she's good in that. Look at and us she's... talking about other films because this one's not worth yeah. talking about. <laughs> yeah, and she's in Mission Impossible Fallout as well. But she's not in the... whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hot take incoming. Put your oven gloves on or you won't be able to handle it. Picking up on your point about the villain. There was moral confusion around it because you can take the sort of issues of the day around international relations and how different countries behave and what's expected with open trade and immigration. Think about it this way. Wakanda is an isolationist ethnostate with zero immigration that holds its magical resources. And there's no evidence that Wakanda has aided the development of other African nations. That's all evident from the first film. That's still the case in the second film. So that's bizarre that Wakanda's seen as, as, as a great place. But then Namor comes in and he comes in. And the first thing he says is, I'd heard of this place, a place that never changes where you can be yourself, which is to say he's an ultra conservative and he, and he supports this ultra conservative nation that doesn't import other cultures or peoples. And that's a great thing. That's a great sympathetic thing to do. And that's, that is actually an accurate interpretation of what Wakanda is. So he's a sympathetic character who lives in Atlantis. And again, it's seen as a good thing that his country can isolate itself and never change. And Siri's like, yeah, this is a good thing, that you're all homogenous. Then he immediately decides to genocide everyone. Is that supposed to be sympathetic? Because it, it seems like the rest of the world is just America, in which case I guess it's sympathetic because America's bad. But if he's genociding the whole world, I'm guessing that includes the African and South American nations that are victims of colonialism. But then only because he's threatened with death, he softens his position and allies with Wakanda and they go back to being their isolated, homogenous states. The end. And I can hear people saying, oh, but he's the bad guy it's supposed to be. He's a complex character. Maybe, but these two films, it portrays these isolated nations as being a good thing that it's a homogenous paradise. So is that something to be protected or not? Like, Do we have sympathy with Namor? because he wants there to be only blue people in his country or not? Or do they not even realise the massive contradiction that they're putting out? I don't think they realise because they've got lost in, in trying to do something else. Very well articulated point. Um, didn't even pick up on it to that degree, but the very fine point you make. It is a bit of a moral and confusing quandary, I suppose. It's complicated. Yeah, the 20 minutes that you're going to cut out Right there, I've just highlighted that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just read stuff about post-colonial theory and it'll all click. I don't feel I need to now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got him in my notes. Martin becomes a freeman. Oh, great. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm referring to there. Um, can't even remember. Because he gets arrested, but then the Wakandans free him. And but all I've done is write that down for the purpose of making that joke, right? Now, now I know. With no context, yeah. But then, then they say, oh, it's my favourite coloniser, despite the fact that America was colonised by the British, so the Americans are not the colonisers, even though they have their own problems. But, yeah, again, it's it's very confused. One bit we haven't mentioned, who's the new Black Panther? Shuri is the new Black Panther. After two and a half hours, Shuri says, right, I'm going to announce that I'm Black Panther by jumping out of a helicopter, which <laughs> seems a bit self-indulgent. And then she's the new Black Panther. Because uh, she synthesizes the magic flower. So she's she's the new Black Panther after all that speculation. That's the end of the episode. What are we watching next week? 
we're going a little bit art house, a little bit pretentious. We're not. We're just aiming to watch something that's actually good. We're watching Triangle of Sadness, which is currently out in UK cinemas, and it's meant to be very good. Yes, looking forward to that. I've just found out that it exists. It stars Woody Harrelson. Yes, and plenty other people who you will likely not know the name of. Speaking of knowing names, you know our name. It's in the Isles podcast. You can email us at gmail.com. You can visit us on Instagram. Haven't posted in quite a while. That's on me. I'm going to do it today. You can also leave us a five-star review and rating. That also helps. We are just dropping out of the Japanese chart. Um, So every little helps. Uh, Hopefully we can make it big in the UK once again. James, if you were Kevin Feige, what would you be telling yourself right now? I hope I don't get sacked as well, <laughs> like Bob Chapek. And if I was Kevin Feige, I'd be telling myself to just stop. Just stop, please stop. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a bit of fun out there. Some people enjoy it. Right, that's all for this week. See you same time, not next week, the week after, James? Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.